we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Urgency of Change. Each weekly episode in this season of the Krishnamurti podcast is based on a major theme of the philosopher's talks, such as freedom, self-knowledge, beauty, intelligence and meditation. Extracts from our extensive archives have been carefully selected to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to each of these universal and timelessly relevant themes. This week's theme is life. Upcoming themes are truth, relationship and beauty. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. For more information about our activities and programmes, such as our volunteer programme at Brockwood Park in the UK, we are online at kfoundation.org. You can also find our daily quotes and videos on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. This week's podcast has four sections. The first extract is from Krishnamurti's second talk in Bangalore, 1971, titled What is Our Daily Life? First, let us look actually what our life is, our daily life. Because if we don't understand it, if we don't bring order into it, if we merely slur over our daily activity or escape into some ideology, or just be superficially satisfied with things as they are, then you have no basis for a a life, a way of thinking, a way of action which will be right, which will be true, without order, one must live in confusion. Without understanding order, which is virtue, then all morality becomes superficial, merely influenced by the environment, by the culture in which one lives, which is not moral at all. So one must find out 
for oneself what is order. Whether this order is a pattern, a design, a thing that has been put together by man through various forms of compulsion, conformity, imitation, or is order a living thing? And therefore can never possibly be made into a pattern, into a conformity. We are going to go into that presently. So to understand this order, we must examine our life, our life as it is. What is our daily living? If you can bear to look at it, if you can observe it, what is actually our everyday life? One can see that in that living there is great deal of confusion, there is great deal of conformity, contradiction. where every man is against another man, where in the business world you are ready to cut another's throat, politically, sociologically, morally, there is a great deal of confusion. And when you look at your own life, you see that from the moment you are born till you die, it's a series of conflicts. Life has become a battlefield. Please observe it. Not that you must agree with the speaker or disagree with him, but just observe it. Just watch your actual daily living. And when you do so observe, you cannot help seeing what actually is going on, how one is in despair, lonely, unhappy, in conflict, caught in a series of Competition, aggression, brutality, violence, that is actually our daily life. And that we call living. And not being able to understand it, or resolve it, or go beyond it, We escape from it into some ideology, into the ideology of some ancient philosophers, ancient teachers, 
ancient wisdom. And we think by escaping from the actual, we have solved everything. And that's why philosophy, ideals, all the very various forms of networks of escape have not in any way resolved our problems. We are just as we were 5,000 years ago or more, dull, repetitive, bitter, angry, violent, aggressive, with occasional flash of some beauty, happiness, and always frightened of that one thing which we call death. The second extract is from the fourth talk in Sanan, 1973, titled Is There a Meaning to Life? What is the meaning of life? Because I think if we could understand that, not verbally, not merely intellectually, structurally, linguistically, but seriously go into it and find out for ourselves what is the meaning of life. And then perhaps we shall be able to find out for ourselves how to live in this world though we may, at least some of us, being serious, have turned away from it. I think there is a difference between the purpose of life and the meaning of life. One can project a purpose, a goal, an end, depending on one's environment, the culture in which one has been brought up, or one's own idiosyncrasy, temperament. Out of one's own background, one can project a purpose of life. The intellectuals have done it. The religious Authorities have done it. And our own desire to have a purpose now I think the meaning of existence is different. You can't invent a meaning. 
you can deceive yourself. You can say to yourself, this is the meaning of my life. Again, depending on your economic, social, religious background, depending on your tendency, the cultural depth To me both are utterly meaningless. Because they do not reveal the real significance, meaning of life. And when we ask if, what is the meaning of life, is it a reaction? Because we find that life as we live now, has no meaning whatsoever. The daily routine, the office, the factory, the labour, endless travail, struggle in our relationship with each other, the sense of lack of love, loneliness, weary years, and then ultimately die. This existence of life as it is now has very little meaning, or none at all. The religious people throughout the world have tried to give a meaning. Saints, saviors, the various gurus, apparently they are springing like mushrooms in this country, in the world, and don't eat these mushrooms, they are dangerous. They have invented, according to their particular experience, according to their conditioning, a purpose and a meaning to life. Again, based on their rationalization, if you are intellectual, and if you are religiously inclined, on their conditioning, according to a particular sect, religious belief, and so on. As we said, they are essentially based on the whole movement of thought. Thought is knowledge, experience, memory. And whatever the culture in which one has been brought up, and according to that culture and background, one can project, invent, imagine, 
linguistically, emotionally, intellectually, a meaning to life. And without finding it out for ourselves, not according to any philosopher, I really don't like to use that word philosopher, because the word means the love of truth in daily life, not a clever, cunning, highly educated mind that invents a theory. And such people are called philosophers. Intellectually, they may invent, or by their very clever reasoning, project or give a meaning to life. And we generally accept such meaning. Because we have no meaning to our life. And if there is somebody who says, this is the meaning of life, we are only too eager, delighted to accept what others have said. And it is important now to find out if you are serious at all, and if you have rejected completely the purposes, the meaning, which others have given, or you have given out of your own suffering, out of your own loneliness, out of your own feeling. Life has no meaning, therefore you have to invent a meaning. If you can, reject all that, put aside all that. Which is quite an arduous thing to do. because we like to cling to our own particular beliefs, to our own particular experiences, to our own desire to find something that has a meaning. Now, if one can put aside all that, because they're all illusions, they have no meaning, a verbally, they may have a meaning, ideologically, but in substance, in reality, as an actual fact in daily life, they have no meaning whatsoever. Now, if you and uh, the speaker together share this question in all seriousness, committing ourselves totally to find out what is the meaning of life? Has it any meaning at all? And if you are putting that question, has it any meaning, are you putting it as a reaction? because you find <coughs> it has no meaning. Or 
or you're putting it, to find out, to inquire, to investigate. Then if you're investigating, inquiring, then we can share that together. But if you have a purpose, a meaning, and the speaker or another has no purpose or a meaning, then we cannot possibly share. We can only share that which both of us are aware, know the significance, the intention. So that being clear, let's proceed to find out if there is a meaning to life. Because it is necessary, absolutely necessary. Because modern culture or ancient culture have imposed on us certain values, certain moralities. The religious structure has given us a background of a purpose, heaven and hell, you know, all that. Now, a mind that is really very serious, and we are here for that purpose. We are serious, at least some of us. I hope so. As we said, this is not an entertainment. Intellectual, verbal, or religious entertainment. The speaker is very serious. And if you are also very serious, then we can meet together, we can talk over together, share together. Now, how are you going to find out what is the purpose of life? Because when once you discover it as a reality, not as an idea, as something somebody else has projected, or you yourself have projected, but if you can discover the, for yourself the purpose of, the meaning of life, the meaning, the significance, the depth, the beauty, then it has a relationship with regard to your actions, with regard to your relationship with another, with regard to your whole living. So how do we begin to inquire what is the meaning of life? Will thought 
revealed. Thinking about it, rationalizing, discussing and trying to find out the truth through opinion, which is dialectic. You may have an opinion of what the meaning of life is, another may have another meaning. And through exchange of opinions, reason, can you come upon the truth of what is the meaning of life? You're following? We are taking a journey together into this matter. You're not merely listening to a speaker, to a lot of words or ideas or imaginations. We are actually together sharing this problem seriously. So through opinions, you cannot find it. So you have to discard opinions. Right? Can you discard it? Actually. If you have, then can you find it through very careful analysis? Analysis, as we explained the other day, is a process of paralysis, right? Paralysis through analysis. We went into that the other day. And can you discover it through the movement of time as thought? Please, are you following all this? Am I making. Right. Is it a matter of time? That is, investigating through the process of thinking what others have said or through careful rationalization, which thought can do excellently, Objectively, so can thought reveal the meaning of life thought, as we said, is the movement within the area of time 
thought is time. And our brain and the whole structure of our mind is based on time. So we have these problems. Opinion, what others have said, whether it's Mao, uh, Lenin, uh, various saviors, gurus, intellectuals, you accept them or reject them, or through the capacity of a mind that can think very clearly and logically and say to itself, this is the meaning of life. Can thought do that? Thought being the response of memory, knowledge, experience, which is the past. So can the past reveal the full meaning of life? You understand this? We have got these three things, which are really one, but doesn't matter. We'll, for the moment, we'll look at them separately. Opinion, what others have said, the saints, the saviors, the mm, teachers, the books, and your own thought. So can you depend on your thought and you may be not perfectly balanced. Most of us are slightly neurotic. And can you depend on what others have said? Doesn't matter who it is. the Bible, the, in the, the Indian books, and so on, so on. Or, can, and also, can you depend on your own thinking? Have you sufficient confidence? That's in the word. Have you sufficient knowledge, which you have put, in, put it to test, to find out? You've understood? So we can reject opinion. What others say, what you should, what your, the, what the life, the meaning of life to you, what others have said. It's only the fools who advise. So you can reject that without any uh, too much thought. Then can you look at your culture of which you are a part the culture 
that says the meaning of life is this. Work endlessly in the office, in the factory, and bear the responsibility of a family, And your culture says, well, you see, this culture in Western culture or Eastern culture, it doesn't matter, all cultures are more or less the same, says that you will live in heaven if you're good on earth. And that's the meaning of life, going to heaven. And also your culture says, why bother what the meaning of life is? Just live. Put up with the ugliness, the beastly existence, the sorrow, the pain, the anxiety, the pleasures, the fears, the utter boredom, the loneliness. Put up with it. That's part of your life. You can't go beyond it. Therefore, enjoy. Therefore, make pleasure as the main thing of your life. Right? And that's what you're doing. So we are asking, is pleasure the full meaning of life? And that's what you, you are want. That's what you are seeking. A permanent, enduring, continuous pleasure. Right? Not only sexually, but also in your relationship with others. The pleasure which you derive in work, in fulfillment, in becoming ambitious, achievement, success, in possession either of ideas or of things. Right? So, the principle of pleasure is for most people the meaning of life. Right? Don't, please, let's be terribly honest. We can so easily deceive ourselves. And in the pursuit of pleasure, fulfillment becomes extraordinarily important. Sexually, fulfillment of your desires, 
fulfillment to be somebody important, famous, successful, all that. Now, is pleasure the full, deep meaning to la- of life? Which is what you want, right? Is that the meaning of life? <laughs> if you accept that as you do, that is the meaning of life, the fulfillment, the self-aggrandizement, the sexual pleasures, the pleasure of competition, success, wanting to be known as the self-importance, self-centered activity, all that gives pleasure. If that is the meaning of life, then life becomes terribly superficial, doesn't it? And that's what we have done. Follow this, that's what we have done, actually. We have made life, in the pursuit of pleasure, very superficial. Haven't you noticed it? You may be very clever, you may be a great artist, pianist, or uh, whatever you are, technical expert, a good or swindling politician, whatever it is. But it's all on the surface. So, knowing that it is superficial life, then you ask, Is there not a deeper meaning? The third extract is from Krishnamurti's first talk in Ojai in 1982, titled A Holistic View of Life. So if one is aware of all this, as one must, What's our response to all this? Not a partial, but total response to the whole phenomena that's going on, taking place in the world. Do we only consider our own personal lives How to live a quiet, 
serene, undisturbed life in some corner? Or are we concerned with the total human existence, with the total humanity? If we are only concerned with our own particular life, however troublesome it is, however limited it is, however much it is sorrowful and painful, then one does not realize the part is the whole. So one has to look at life, not the American life or the Asiatic life, but life as a whole, holistic observation. The observation that is not a particular observation, it's not my observation or your particular observation, but the observation that comprehends the totality, the holistic view of life. Each one of us has been concerned with his own particular problems. Problems of more money, no job, seeking one's own fulfillment, seeking everlastingly pleasure, frightened, isolated, lonely, depressed, suffering, and creating, being personal, a saviour outside who will transform or bring about a salvation for ourselves, for each one of us. This tradition has been going on in the Western world for 2,000 years. And the Asiatic world, which is probably the explosion from India over the East has also maintained the same thing in a different words, different symbols, different pictures, different conclusions. But it's the same individual search for his own salvation, for his own particular happiness, to resolve his many complex problems. That's what each one of us is trying to do. If we cannot solve a particular problem, there are the specialists of various kinds, psychological specialists, to whom one goes to resolve our problem. They too have not succeeded, nor the scientists. On the contrary, 
Technologically, the scientists have helped enormously. Less disease, better trans- communication, curing, sanitation, and so on, so on. And also, the scientists are maintaining the war. Scientists are responsible for all the gadgets of war. They are responsible for murdering millions and millions of people at one blow. So scientists now are not going to save mankind. Nor the politicians, whether in the East or West, or in the middle part of the of the world, they seek power, possession, and they are the, play all kinds of tricks on human thought. You know all this. And in the Western world, we elect them. God knows how we elect them. In the Russian world, you don't. That totalitarian dictatorship, complete prison. And it's exactly the same thing in the religious world so-called religious world. The authority of the hierarchy the authority of the Pope, the bishop, the archbishop and the local priest in the name of some image which thought has created. And we, as human beings, separated, isolated, we haven't been able to solve our problems. We are highly educated, cunning, self-centered, capable of extraordinary things outwardly. But inwardly, we are more or less what we have been for a million years. We hate, we compete, we destroy each other. Which is what's going on, actually, at the present moment. You have heard the experts talking about the recent war. They're not talking about human beings being killed, but destroying airfields, 
blowing up this or that. So there is this total confusion in the world of which one one is quite sure we are all aware of it. And from that arises the question, what shall we do? As a friend once some time ago told the speaker, you can't do anything. You are beating your head against a wall. It will go on like this for the next million years. Fight, kill, destroy each other, competition, caught in various forms of illusion. This will go on. Don't waste your life and time. This tragedy, the terrifying events that may happen by some crazy person pressing a button, or the computer taking over man's capacities, thinking much quicker, more accurate. And the computer too may destroy the human being, the human mind, human brain, because the computer if with robot can do all kinds of things as they're doing in Japan. So what's going to happen to human beings? So this is the vast problem which we are facing. And our education from Childhood to to pass, if you are lucky, through a college university. It's to specialize in some form or another, accumulate a lot of knowledge, store it up in the brain, and act, get a job, and hold on to the job skillfully, if you can, for the rest of one's life. Going to the office from morning till the evening and dying at the end of it all. This is not a pessimistic attitude or observation. This is what actually is going on. When one observes the actuality, the fact, one is neither depressed optimistic or pessimistic, it is so.
And when asked for it at all serious and responsible, what is one to do? Retire into monasteries? Form some commune? Go off to Asia and pursue Zen meditation or other forms of meditation? One is asking seriously this question. When you are confronted with this crisis in consciousness, it's not the crisis, it's not over there, outside of us. The crisis is in us. You know that saying, we have seen the enemy, and the enemy is us. So the crisis is not economic, war, the bomb, the politicians, the scientists, but the crisis in our, is within us, crisis in our consciousness. Until we understand very profoundly the nature of that consciousness and question, delve deeply into it, and find out for ourselves whether there can be a total mutation in that consciousness. The world will go on creating more misery, more confusion, more horror. So our responsibility is not some kind of altruistic action, political or economic, but to comprehend the nature of our being. Why we human beings who have lived on this beautiful, lovely earth, why we have become like this? So we should, if you are willing, if it is your responsibility, we can perceive together the nature of our consciousness, the nature of our being. This is not as we said, a lecture. 
a lecture being a dissertation on a particular subject, giving or pointing out information. That's what one means by a lecture. But here we are trying to gather you and the speaker together, not separately. Together, observe the movement of this consciousness and its relationship to the world, whether that consciousness is individual, separate, or that consciousness is the whole of mankind. You understand? We are educated from childhood to be individuals, with your separate soul, if you believe in that kind of stuff, or you have been trained, educated, conditioned to think as an individual. You think, we think, because you have a separate name, separate form, that is dark, light, tall, short, fair, black and so on, and your particular tendency, we, have, we think we are separate individuals, our own particular experiences, and so on. Now we are going to question that very idea, whether we are individuals. It doesn't mean that we are kind of amorphous beings, but actually are we individuals? Though whole world maintains both religiously and in other ways that we are separate individuals. And from that concept and perhaps from that illusion we are each one of us trying to fulfil, become something. In that becoming something we are competing against another fighting another. So, if we maintain that way of life, we must inevitably cling to nationalities, tribalism, war. Why do we hold on to nationalism? the passion behind it, which is what is happening now. The British against the Argentine, the Jew against the Arab, the Arab against the Jew, and so on. Why do we 
give such extraordinary passionate importance to nationalism, which is essentially tribalism. Why? Is it because in tribalism, holding on to the tribe, to the group, there is certain security, not only physical security, but psychological security, inward sense of completeness, fullness. If that is so, then the other tribe also feels the same, and hence division, and hence war, conflict. If one actually sees the truth of this, not theoretically, and if one wants to live on this earth, which is our earth, not yours or mine, American or the Russian or the Hindu, it's our earth to live on. Then there is no nationalism at all. There is only human existence. One life It's not your life or my life, it's living the whole of life. And this tradition of individuality has been perpetuated by religions, both in the East and in the West. Individuals, saviour for each individual and so on, so on. Now, is this so? You know, it's very good to doubt. Very good to have a mind that questions, doesn't accept. A mind that says, we cannot possibly live any more like this. In this brutal, violent manner. So doubt, questioning, has an extraordinary importance. Not just accept the way of life, One has lived perhaps for fifty, sixty or thirty years, or the way one has lived for a million years. So we are questioning the reality of individuality. Is your Consciousness, we understand by the meaning of that word, to be conscious, the content of your consciousness, 
To be conscious means to be aware, to know, to perceive, to observe. Is your consciousness with its content, the content being your belief, your pleasure, your experience, your particular knowledge which you have gathered, either through some particular external subject or the knowledge you have gathered about yourself, your fears, the attachments, the pain, the agony of loneliness, the sorrow, the search for something more than mere physical existence, all that is one's consciousness with its content. The content makes the consciousness. Without content there is not the consciousness as we know it. Here there is no room for argument. It is so. Your consciousness, which is very complex, contradictory, with extraordinary vitality, that consciousness, is it yours? Is thought yours? Or there is only thinking, which is neither east nor west, there is only thinking, which is common to all mankind whether they are rich or poor, technically, technicians with an extraordinary capacity, or the monk who withdraws from the world and is consecrating himself to an idea, still thinking. Is this consciousness common to all mankind? Common in the sense, not degrading. Is this consciousness yours or also the rest of mankind? Wherever one goes, one sees suffering, pain, anxiety, loneliness, insanity, fear, seeking security, caught in knowledge, the urge of desire, loneliness, is common, it is 
the ground on which every human being stands. Your consciousness is the consciousness of humanity, the rest of humanity. It's logical. You may disagree. You may say, mine consciousness is separate, and it must be separate. But is it so? If one understands the nature of this, that you are the rest of mankind, though you may have a different name, you may live different parts of the world, educated in different way, affluent or very poor. When you go behind the mask, deeply, you are like the rest of mankind, aching loneliness, suffering, despair, neurotic, Believe, believe in some illusion, and so on. Whether you go to the east or west, this is so. You may not like it. You may like to think that you are totally independent, free individual. But when you observe very deeply, you are like you are the rest of humanity. If you you may accept this as an idea, an abstraction, as a marvelous concept. But idea is not the actual. An abstraction is not what actually is taking place. But most of us make an abstraction of what is into an idea, and then pursue the idea, which is really non-factual. If that is so, that is, if my consciousness endures with all its content, the content in itself is contradictory, confused, struggling against each other, fact and non-fact. Wanting to be happy, being unhappy. Wanting peace, to live in without violence, and yet be violent. A consciousness in itself is disorder. 
It is the root of dissension. And until we understand, go into it very deeply, and bring and discover total order, which will have always disorder in the world. So, a serious person, I mean that by that word, not easily dissuaded from the pursuit of understanding, the pursuit of delving deeply into himself, into his consciousness, which is the common consciousness of all men. A man who is not easily persuaded to, by amusement, entertainment, which is perhaps sometimes necessary, but to pursue consistently, every day, into the nature of man, that is, into yourself, to observe what is actually going on within oneself. And from that observation, action takes place. Not what shall I do as a separate human being, but action of which 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 comes or give out of total holistic observation of life. The final extract this week is from the fifth discussion in Sanan, 1968, titled The Only Thing Important in Life. We have these two questions. A life in which the very living is the beauty of action and love. And without love, there is always the right and wrong action, breeding, conflict, contradiction, and opposition. And there is only one true one action, only one action, and there is no other action. 
which is the action that comes out of love and therefore never contradictory, never breeding conflict. You know, love is both aggressive and non-aggressive. Don't misunderstand it. Love isn't something pacific, quiet, put down somewhere in the cellar or in heaven. In your love you have vitality, drive, intensity, and the immediacy of action. So, is it possible for us human beings to know, to be involved in this beauty of action which is love? Really it would be quite extraordinary, wouldn't it, if all of us here in this tent or what may not be, in this structure, if we could come upon this, not as an idea, not something speculatively to be reached, but actually, from this day, to step out into a different dimension, and live a life so whole, complete, so sacred, Because such a life is the religious life. There is no other life, no other religion. Because such a life will answer every problem. Because love is very intelligent. It's the highest form of sensitivity and therefore extraordinarily intelligent and practical. And because there is love, there is humility. That's the only, that's the only thing that's important in life. One is steeped in it. One lives it, or you don't. And if we could, all of us, come into this naturally, easily, without any conflict or effort, then we'll we are living a different life. 
a life of great intelligence, sagacity, clarity. And it is this clarity which is a light to oneself, this clarity solves all problems. <laughs>